This show is part of the Other Side Podcast Network. And welcome to Series 8, Episode 5 of the Binary Time Show on this 29th of August, 2020. This is Wayne here from a sunny Bristol. Light winds out there. Let's have a look at what the Witter app says. Well, <laughs> uh, true to form, the Witter app says overcast, 7 to 10 degrees, 22 kilometer not per kilometers per hour wind. And we have sun and cloud throughout the day, which is a Probably a bit of a relief, actually, because it has been almost torrential rain for a few days here. And um, yeah, it's a bit windy in the afternoon today, um, but that all lightens off on Sunday. And Monday, I mention Monday because we have a bank holiday here in England. Over there, we have Mark. How are you doing, Mark? Yeah, not so bad. My own winter is telling me it's going to be partly cloudy with patchy rain for the next few days, even though it looks like Sunday morning is going to be nice. It looks sunny, so 11 to 12 degrees. How bad? Yeah, because we're we're the same here. We've had some crazy weather the last while. Uh, yesterday as well, we had some really heavy thunder and lightning, so... Yeah, winter's come early for us. Yeah, I remember like back in, um, I don't know, mid-July, you said on the the show, I think you said, uh, oh, that's probably the summer gone now. Well, you weren't far off, actually. (laughs) (laughs) I should get in the prediction business. Yeah, I mean, yeah, down to Paddy Power. Old Mark Salmanac. (laughs) (laughs) You better be careful, it'll become a section of the show. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, Mark's predictions. Wise old Mark. Yeah, yeah. Mark's predictions for 2021. It'll be better than 2020. 2020. Ah, okay. <laughs> you heard it here. Yeah, well, <laughs> write that one down, folks. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, how has things been with you, or what have you been up to, or whatever you want to talk about? Gosh, uh, that's that's an open-ended one. <laughs> um, yeah, I've been grand. Uh, I had a bit of time off there. If you remember the the last episode, I was just starting my my holidays, so that was nice. Um, went down to Kerry and got to see some beautiful countryside and some beautiful people. So it was it was great. Um, and I suppose then we came home early because of all the storms and all the rest of it, which turned out to be for the, the best because we did have quite a quite a doozy. And um, then the weekend, this just last weekend came along and I we had anniversaries and birthdays and all that kind of stuff. So I did a bit of reminiscing and um, went through all the my old photos and stuff like that and started trying to sort things out. So I did a bit of work with uh, Find, which is not an easy command to use. Because <laughs> um, I, I was at one stage, 
I was using find and I thought I had it down in that I wanted it to find anything that was, we'll say a dot MOV or a dot capital MOV and then move it to uh, my uh, videos slash home, we'll say, for home movies, because I had a load of movies in, in my pictures directories and they were all kind of short home movies of, you know, children running around doing their thing in birthdays and anniversaries and, you know, the, the usual kind of thing. So I thought I thought I had it. And then while I was looking through the pictures directory some more, I still found some some files. Hmm. This um slipped through the cracks. They slipped through the cracks, yeah. So I'd be interested if anyone wants to take the time to to write in and show me the the proper format to to get, we'll say a .mov or an MP4 in a in a fine command. I'd be interested because I thought I had it. Were you using uh, regular expressions? Yep. Okay. So I can't remember exactly what I had now, but you know there are lots of curly brackets and pipes, and I was execing a, a move then. Uh, so I, basically, what I was doing was I, I would find the file, and then I would uh, exec move it to the the video home uh, folder, uh, and I thought it was working, like I said, because I could see stuff moving over. Mm -hmm. But then I was actually finding other other files that hadn't moved. So I'm not sure. It was a bit of a head scratcher for me. Interesting. Mm. I've only done bits and pieces with find, um, and uh, not it's horrible. Not awful <laughs> amount of complex stuff either. It, I mean, there's a lot of Linux terminal commands that get. I mean, the only way I can describe it really is that get very geeky very quickly. And, and yeah, yeah. And what yeah. I mean by that is that the that before like the level of knowledge needed to be able to actually use the command you'd want to be using it for a while before you even <laughs> you know to, to try and get some out output from it i mean i'm still all over the place with said and awk all over the place actually i'm being polite to myself there i haven't a clue how to use them mm. And, Same here. and um, so I wouldn't know where to start and the time and effort I'd have to put into actually getting to use those commands would be, uh, I don't know, I haven't had enough use for them yet. I often kind of cast an eye over a Martin Wimpress video and I see him flying around the bash terminal uh, like, like, like no man's business. And um, it's impressive to see. And uh, but... Uh, I, I don't know. I, I I suppose it's not something. I suppose maybe we get a bit too comfortable in our GUIs sometimes. You know. I... Yeah, but the reason why I I did it that way was because I knew looking through each folder just to find a move or a .mov or a .mp4 or whatever else uh, was going to be incredibly tedious. Yeah. In the GUI and then kind of moving it from from that folder to the folder I wanted it in. You know, so I figured there had to be a better way. So that's why I went to the command line. Right, yeah. And I, I did my bit of research. I, I kind of um, went on the net and I looked up my 
my Linux Bash shell books and all that kind of stuff. So I I read around the topic on find or what would be the best command to use. And uh, from my reading, I thought it would be find. And, uh, you know, I, I put in all my expressions and had everything, what I thought was working because I did see stuff moving over, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. But then to find files that weren't there, I was just a bit, bit annoyed because I was quite chuffed with myself. Like, oh, <laughs> look at me with the command line or whatever. But, um, you know, I would, I would like to know how to do it properly. It would be a handy one to, to know. So you still... I suppose I'll just have to spend some more time. You still had MOV files and um, capital MOV files sitting in the directories that you thought you had included. Yeah. Hmm. So it took some of them, but not all of them, which was annoying. Yeah. Oh, gosh, I don't know where to start to even uh, exactly, troubleshoot yeah. that. Why would it do that? And anyway, sure, what I ended up doing was I got this brainwave then that I would uh, make up a, an animation of a, of a person uh, growing through the, the years uh, for their birthday. And I was thinking, sure, how hard could that be, you know? <laughs> so um, I used uh, GIMP, the animation features in GIMP. Oh, cool. And basically all you have to do is take your pictures, throw some text on it, and um, put them in layers. And then there's an actual animation feature in GIMP. And for anyone who tries this, word of warning, do not try and run the animation preview if you have a previous animation preview window open because it just maxes out your memory and locks up your PC for about an hour and then crashes and you lose everything. <laughs> oh gosh, what was the tip again? Do not what? <laughs> there's there's in um in GIMP you've got uh, a feature in your filters and it's animation. Mm-hmm. Right? And one of the things you can do in animation is do a, a playback. Okay. Right? So assuming you've you've made up your animation and you've got all your layers you know, already set up. If you go into filters, animation, playback, it will then open up a new window and then run through your animation so that you can see what it looks like. You know, so it's a handy feature so that you can get an idea of how good or bad your your animation actually is, you know. But I found that you have to close that window when you're finished. Ah, okay. Sorry. Yeah, okay. So if if you try and run the the playback again with that window still open, it okay it goes bonkers. I see. Oh, okay. I didn't get that the first time around. Okay. Uh, all right. Interesting. I haven't used any of the animation features in GIMP at all. It's kind of that's a completely new side of it to me. Yeah, this 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 is my first time trying anything like this as well. You know, and I have to say, hats off to people who do animations because <laughs> it's quite. <laughs> Quite involved, even to do something trivial. But um, you know, I might try using uh, FFmpeg or something as well. Hmm, interesting. Uh, but I mean, the the GIMP is a handy GUI way just to kind of stack stuff on top of each other and then play it out. You didn't think of having a look in Blender at all? I did, and I was thinking of maybe KDN Live or something as well. 
but I wanted to just do an animated GIF rather than a a movie. Ah, okay. It might have been easier to do an actual movie, but, you know. Yeah. We often try to go with the first idea, regardless of... um Regard- How good or bad it yeah, is. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, we've got to push through it, don't we? And there's always better <laughs> ways to do things that we don't... Um, well, it's kind of interesting, isn't it? Uh, I get really caught up in... Um, with learning. So, for example, I've been tinkering with electronics for... I don't know, I'll, I'll say a few years, but I'll also emphasize the word tinkering because that's all I really do is just try out different little circuits and um, and more often than not I feel like I'm doing something wrong rather than right um, now I know Edison said you've got to fail 20,000 times to get one good one but um, I'm not that optimistic that's just because he was Edison yeah yeah <laughs> I know <laughs> I'm sure it wasn't 20,000 times either but um, uh, but uh, I'm not that optimistic you know and Camille so what was all that stuff in the Maker's Corner Telegram group what was all that about oh okay oh right that's interesting so um, <laughs> so I have recently been, I think I mentioned on the last show, I was playing around with a little microcontroller called the D1 Mini. Now, normally with the D1 Mini, which is really just like, it uses the, it uses a certain chip that I'm going to try and read now off a tiny, um, let's see if I can, is it the 8266 chip? I, I think it's the 8266. I, I've, I've, I can't actually see it now because I'm um, ESP. 8266. Yes, that is correct. And it's a little chip with Wi-Fi on it. And um, it, you can upload code to this thing and you can make this little device available on your network. And it's the, it's called the Wemos D1 Mini. And it's a super cheap little chip. And the reason I started looking into these is because previously I would do everything on a Raspberry Pi. And anyone who listens to the show knows that I have quite a few Raspberry Pis sitting around. And any time I try to, to do a little electronics um, project, it would be out of the GPIO pins on the Raspberry Pi. And this is all well and good until you start paying attention to things like power consumption. And Raspberry Pis hmm. are not particularly well you're running an operating system for a start which has its own power draw and often if you're just doing little electronics projects a raspberry pi is actually overkill for these projects i mean there's nothing wrong with yeah. using one at all you can use one and it's great to have an operating system uh, in you know uh, running and you can just type your python code or whatever whatever you want to program in and do up your little circuits and get the results. But often if you're just kind of switching on things like LEDs or testing sensors or, or little temperature sensors or or messing around with buttons and lights and things like that, it's complete overkill for what a, a Raspberry Pi does. So basically these little Wemos D1 minis are, it's a microcontroller. Now the difference between well, as as I know it, and I'm no expert in these things, just cludging along as I go, as I tend to do, with the Arduino and with the Wemos D1 Minis, and um, there's another one, the ESP32 chip that I've been playing with a little bit. These are 
more you upload your code to it. So you write your code in and you know, you can use the Arduino IDE to push code up to this we must one mini. And it's actually quite good at that. It does that job quite well. And um, so you write your code, you upload it to the device, and then you run, you, you, you then power up the device and your code is running. Rather than, you know, with a Raspberry Pi, you power it on, you wait for the operating system to come up, you you either have to script um, in your startup, in some of your startup scripts to get your little piece of code running if you want it running um, straight away, or if you're actually just messing around, often you just SSH into the Raspberry Pi, or maybe you've got it on a screen and keyboard, and you just run the code from a little... Um, IDE or something that's on the Raspberry Pi. Whereas these, you upload the code, you you reboot this device, and your code is running. And this happens over a few seconds, rather than, I don't know, for whatever the amount of time it takes for a Pi to boot up, which gets better and better. But um, So you can't really edit your code on the fly on these things. You you write your code, upload it, run it. If there's a bug, you you look at your code, see where the bug is, upload it again. Um, so you got to get it kind of right. But I'm not really using these that way. As mentioned previously, I've been messing around with home automation. Not because I want to get good at home automation, not because I'm particularly interested in automating my home, but I'm just actually kind of... Um, how how do I describe it? I suppose I'm, I suppose it's kind of, I still pretty much feel like I'm in a lockdown environment, but I, it's, I suppose it just keeps me amused. That's, that's, and I like technology that kind of inspires me in some way or makes me want to seek out information or want to try and get things working. And often... I get a bit weary of technology and I'm just, I, 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 go, I go through the initial phase of going, oh, this is really exciting and new and, and look at what you can do. And often within a week or two, I'm, I'm, I, can be, I can get a bit burnt out from it or disheartened from actually not being able to do the things that I want to do. Because once you start looking into things, the depth of knowledge that's needed to do things well is can get quite overwhelming and you know it can be very easy to power up a pie and press a button and get an led blinking but um and and there's nothing wrong with that little project at all but if you want to start doing interesting things <laughs> um you might find that um you actually might need it's a bit more involved yeah a year in electronics to understand some of the components that you might be using and why you might use that component and what that component does and so um, very easily, um, I get um, so so okay so okay. Let me go back to these WeMOS D1 minis because I, I got a bit sidetracked there because you asked the question I haven't even come close to answering the question you asked yet. <laughs> we'll get there. We will get there. We will get there. Um, padding, Mark. Padding. And um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, so so. Uh, okay, we must do one mini, a small, small microcontroller where that's Wi-Fi enabled. And so the, what I do on these to get, to, the way I use them is, I, I ran a few little programs on them initially, just the ones that come 
pre-installed on the Arduino IDE. Maybe I had to download a library. I think I did have to download a library for this chip, actually. And that came with a load of pre-installed little programs that you just upload straight away and run, and you can see this device in action. I mean, it's incredible to see something like that just join the Wi-Fi in your home and become available on the network as a web page that you can, um, I don't know, do other things with. For example, on that web page, you could have, uh, you could write some HTML that says that with, with, a, with, with an A tag that says, uh, click on this button to, um, I don't know, turn on the LED on this device or something, you know. So that. So must have some kind of operating system then. Um, if you can browse into it. Well, no, you're writing it in C. It, it has libraries that allows it to, for you to use the Wi-Fi capabilities of it. So all those libraries would um, sort of have the functionality there that would allow you to make this device available on the network and to put up just, uh, uh, you know, uh, port 80 going in over port 80 on a local IP address on the IP address that this device would have. So, so I was listening to you wrong then, was I? Because I thought you said that you could actually browse into it. Uh, okay, so so maybe not browse it. You can browse to the IP address of this device, which will, which can, which with the code that you have written can allow you to switch things on and off or do other things that I haven't even explored. But but I don't even use these WeMOS Demo 1 minis like that. And because I was looking into home automation, and I mentioned this little project on the show before, and it's not actually a little project at all. It's quite a big project. It's Tasmota. So the first thing I do on these things is flash Tasmota on them. And what that does is that gives me, that almost puts a little operating system on it that uh, Tasmota isn't strictly an operating system, but it, it opens up functionality that allows this device to be, to, to have that Wi-Fi connectivity on a, on a nice little GUI to to be able to program all the pins. Now, there's a load of pins on these Wemos D D1 Mini, and I think I read them out in the last show. I don't have the web page up now, but a load of GPIOs, and um, there's some, I believe there's some analog uh, pins and some digital pins, and you have your usual serial connectors and um, and other stuff. I, I don't have the page up in front of me, actually, that, that, that tells me what those are at the moment. But uh, check them out, Wemos D1 Mini, the pin out, just to see what you have. Um, so, so, uh, so, so, so with Tasmota, it gives you a, a graphical, a, a GUI to say, oh, on pin one, what you have on pin one, or what you have on pin four, or what you have on pin six. Now, what you saw me put on the Maker's Corner um, Telegram group, I bought a, a load of little hats that sit on the D1 Mini. For example, that's a temperature sensor. Now, obviously, I'm showing Mark here, but it's a it's a DHT11 mm. temperature sensor. Now, I had to solder on the pins onto that. It came it came on on um, you have to do everything basically. Well, with the way I buy them anyway, I buy them as raw as I can get them. And then this hat just uh, plugs in like any other hat would on top of that. And what you've got there is a Wemos D1 Mini with a uh, temperature sensor sat on top of it. So you can put that temperature sensor into any room. And with that Tasmota, uh, with that Tasmota, uh, I'll call it an app, even though it's not strictly an app, operating system um, installed on the on the D1 Mini, you can then tie that into Home Assistant and take the temperature, set to take the temperature from the room. 
and all those other items you saw me so that's a digital te- that's a digital um temperature sensor that's the ds18b20 and i just had i just bought a lot of little hats for it so that the main hats i bought were the two different t- temperature sensors one gives um temperature humidity which was a dht11 and i'm kind of sad i got i'm not sad well no it's a bit harsh sorry i got the uh, dht11 one because i'm having issues with that on tasmota but that's an, another story um but i have this the, the ds18b20 which is a digital temperature uh, sensor which works fine and um the other hats i got was uh, allow you to apply battery power to the to the ds uh oh, I, I forgot what is what they call it the ds1 the DS Mini, the DS One Mini, oh, something like that. <laughs> I can't. Even, I've said it so many times now. I'm kind of tongue The D One Mini, the D One Mini. Um. Uh. So there's a battery hat for it. Uh. There is a. You can have a um real time clock hat. Um. And actually, on the real time clock hat, you can actually put a. Uh, there's a little SD card on the other side, so you can have storage and a real time clock on a single hat. So, so they're all different hats for the D1 Mini that that give you that easily give you extra functionality. Okay, so they're fairly extendable. They're fairly extendable, and with but by installing the the kind of header pins like uh, the, those little um, breakout pins, it, you can stack them on top of each other. They don't look pretty, but they can be quite functional. Put it in a box if you don't like the look of it. Uh, that's, I was just going to say you could put it in a pretty box and sure. Who needs to know? Yeah, I'm assuming if they're low power, they're not generating a lot of heat. Well, this is a very good. This is a very good point. This is one of the things I actually wanted to talk about in in the show uh, because I did a few tests yesterday. Uh, where are my? Here we go. So I just had I just plugged a Raspberry Pi in with a. Now this Raspberry Pi had a little screen on it, a very small um, 480 by 320 screen. And the Raspberry Pi was under low load, was pulling about, uh, was using about 220 milliamps of current. Whereas my my Wemos D1 Mini was using about 30 milliamps. Right, yeah, that's a fairly significant That is a significant, and if you've got a battery attached to that thing, you're getting, you know, exponential amount of uh, time of that device being run then you are powering a Raspberry Pi from a battery yes well close to 10 times wouldn't it 10 times 10 times yeah 10 times yeah 10 times okay so if you get four hours out of a out of a battery in a Raspberry Pi that's 40 hours Mm. you know so 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 power draw was a big one now um I do have a link here. This is kind of interesting. This is this is a link I had for the last show. Let me just bring it up here. And this is how to conserve energy. <clears throat> conserve power draw and and conserve power and reduce draw to 80 milliamps on a Raspberry Pi. Now this is a a guy Jeff Geerling uh, uh, um who wrote a uh, a post or a blog post back in November the 29th 2015. So this is quite an old post now. But um he was just came up with some of the things that you can do on a Raspberry Pi 0 to reduce the power draw even more if power draw is a thing for you. If you disable the, the HDMI, he's saying you get 25 milliamps saved. If you disable the LEDs, 
that's five milliamps per LED. Uh, minimize accessories. Every active device you plug into the into the Raspberry Pi will consume some energy. So even a mouse or a simple keyboard will eat up five to one hundred milliamps. If you don't need it, don't plug it in. Hmm. I suppose it's important for Raspberry Pi Zeros, especially the use case you would you would have for them to minimize power draw as much as possible. Well, this article was really interesting to me because I never thought about that before it, in, in, in reducing that amount of drop per, you know, per, um, oh gosh, per device. It's not a device, you know, if you're disabling the HDMI port, you do, so that's just you're taking a port out of the, out of the running uh, of, of the device, then you're reducing like 20, up to 25 milliamps because I always thought the Raspberry Pi Zero was already a pretty low power device. But if you want to conserve even more, mm. this is a way of doing it. Nice. So it's a good article just to see, basically. Um, yeah, he talks about... Like he he also said he said be discerning with software and this is a hundred milliamps plus mm. uh, of power saved and I'll just read out this little paragraph he has. He says if you're running five or six daemons on your Raspberry Pi, these daemons can waste energy as they cause the processor or other subsystems to wake and use extra power frequently. Unless you absolutely need something running, don't install it. Also considering using more power efficient applications that don't require a large stack of software, for example, LAMP or LEMP stacks, etc. And I suppose the biggest draw on any board like that is going to be the processor. So every time you're kind of, you know, Using your processor, you're drawing more energy. Exactly, exactly. So, so, so I mean, I found this really interesting. My mind never really clicked into this because uh, I was just using Pies because they were Pies and they were already sold to me as low power devices. But, uh, you know, you can take that to the extreme and, well, it's not even the extreme, just, you know, you reduce that power as much as you can, you know. Mm. Yeah, good call. Um, so that will be in the show notes, that article. Yeah, so that was my messing around with the D1 Mini. Uh, the picture you saw was lots of hats. I'll try and find a way to to include that picture in the show notes. Very good. I guess, uh, um, does that mean you're uh, done with the things that you've been doing? Because you very, you very neatly segued over to me there. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, actually... Talking about SD cards got me thinking about the Taurus Mox. Ah, excellent. And I have to say, I love the Taurus Mox. Mm -hmm. I think it's it's great. Um, I I started even using um, CZ Nick as my uh, DNS. Okay. And which I'm quite quite okay with because I went on uh, privacytools.io and they show there this, you know, CZ Nick are one of the providers that don't do logging and all that kind of stuff. So I'm quite happy to be using them. Um, but there's been a couple of things with the mocks that's just a bit frustrating. Um, I wanted to participate in the, the program that is supposed to help uh, defend the Taurus's Basically, so what it does is it collects information from your Taurus, sends it to CZNIC, and they can see what's hitting your device, and they can then uh, patch accordingly 
and help all the other devices. So I thought that would be really nice to um, to participate in. So I did. But what ended up happening was it couldn't, it was getting a 404 not found when it was trying to um, download the, the application for that. And uh, that was preventing it from updating. So when I disabled that feature, I got... Uh, I got a whole bunch of updates for the device, but that, I, I thought that was a bit not the best. And um, another thing as well is it is very very finicky. Like just take for example, um, I fired up the the Taurus Mock starter with the the Wi-Fi, and I had all these plans. I was going to have it in a separate network and all this kind of stuff. So the Wi-Fi would be on a different network to the the rest of my house network, right? But um, I went to change the IP address, and when I did that, it just borked the whole thing. Now I was using the kind of the um, what's it called the the forests or whatever uh, the the kind of the the starter. You you have a choice of two. Um, interfaces you've got the 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 easy to use one and then the the more complex open wrt one um so i was just firing it up using the the first choice the the easy one uh change ip address totally destroyed the whole thing it wouldn't boot because i had to reboot so i went into a, a boot loop right and then um i tried the the whole restart bit you know so i actually managed to to do the the boot cycle as well is is very tricky because you have a little pin that you have to hold in and then you get a number of uh, leds so we'll say you start it up like you plug in your power and you have the, the pin held in right and then you get a flash of light to say okay um i know that you're holding in the pin so you can take it out so you take it out then and then um It'll boot up the kernel and then you'll see one flashing light, which means, uh, do you want me to just boot as normal? And then, so you hit the pin then because you don't want it to, oh no, sorry, you don't hit the pin then. <laughs> you, you just, um, leave it go through that. And then, um, you've got the, the second one then does something else I can't remember. Then the third one is your factory reset. So you hit the pin then and then, uh, it says, okay, I'm going to reset and then it reboots. And for me, it was just going into that um, bad boot cycle. So even in a factory reset, it wasn't coming back to a usable state. And I just don't think that's really acceptable. Have you flagged this up with them in any way? Or is this a known issue? Or is it, have you flagged it up with them in any way? Is it a... I haven't, I haven't gotten around to that. Uh, all I did was I DD the the SD card, and um, started again. Mm -hmm. So that would one thing I would recommend anyone um, fiddling around with a a Taurus Mox, just back up. I have a backup of your SD card. Yeah. You know, um, but yeah, it is something I need to to bring up with them. 
and try and figure out what I was doing that would put it into that state. But I don't think changing an IP address should really <laughs> destroy your device in that way. What, what do you mean by changing an IP address? The IP address range of the LAN or, or the IP address of the device? or I just changed the IP address of the device. Okay. And it had a complete meltdown. Um, so, so changing the IP address of the device put it in this boot loop kind of scenario for you? Yeah, because to change the IP address, I had to reboot the device. Yeah, that's a bit bizarre. I, 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 Isn't I, it? I, I, I don't even know where to... You, wanted, you just wanted to come back up and you find it on that new IP address. That's all you want to happen, really. Yeah. Did you, is Taurus using a version of lead, did you say, underneath? Is it lead? Oh, no, it's OpenWRT, is it? OpenWRT, mm. yeah. I think it's version 17 or 19 or something like that. They're quite good distros, you know. I mean, I used DDWRT yeah, yeah. for years, um, ran my infrastructure. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I haven't used OpenWRT, but I, 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 I just know it as an offshoot of DDWRT. Mm. And I suppose maybe... Maybe in the in the the baby user interface, you're not supposed to change things. <laughs> Gosh, the idea of a router, you you know, you have to, uh, yeah, that is customizability, especially a device that that's modular like <laughs> yeah, that. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So, um, but look, I mean, I still think it's it's a great bit of kit. I just have a a few teething problems. You know, so and actually talking about uh, great bits of kit, um, my Volafone is coming along nicely. They've been updating away, and since yesterday, I have actually had uh, updates come in on the phone uh, for the for Ubuntu Touch itself. Because normally, what I was having to do was uh, use the Ubuntu Touch uh, image application to get the latest images and put it on, on the phone. But then, no, it wasn't actually yesterday, but I think it was Thursday. Um, I just uh, did a search on updates and there it was, Ubuntu Touch. Excellent. So downloaded it and uh, restarted and no issues, everything working. And uh, then again, yesterday, I uh, had another update. It was only a small one, but uh, came in, I did it and it, it worked no problem. So... I'm I'm quite happy with it as a device and I was I was having issues with the the radios in that they just seemed to go to sleep and couldn't wake them up again but that's looks like that's been fixed because it's not been happening to me now for a while so you know it's all all coming along well. It's all getting there. We're 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 in there for the long haul with Ubuntu Touch, isn't it? Because there's there's still little things that creep up that make you go or, or that make me go ah oh, inside every now and again, you know. But I um I, I seem to be determined to wait <laughs> for these features. Um I would love them to sort out the switching between cellular and Wi-Fi. I, that's a big one. And maybe I should bring it up. Maybe, you know, it's my own fault for not chasing these things or at least bringing them up. But also I realized that 
they there's a lot happening with the change over to QT5. I don't even know if I've got the, the numbers right there, but um, the uh, yeah, so that's happening big time at the moment. It seems to be important changes for them. Again, I'm not too sure of the implications of that, um, but uh, compatibility I think is a big one. With um, I've heard them speak about the way the the web browser works will work a lot better with the QT5 updates and stuff like that. Mm. Yeah, like. I love Ubuntu Touch. Um, I think it's it's great. I would I would prefer uh, if Canonical were still behind it than it being a community uh, thing. And that's no disrespect to the guys at all. I think them actually taking it up mm-hmm. and running with this is absolutely amazing. Yeah, hats off to them. Yeah, you know. But it's just too big. Yeah, it's a massive undertaking. It's a massive undertaking. I'd love to be able to to help more. Um, they were looking for help as well recently. Yeah, they were looking for testers. Yeah, yeah. It's 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 a massive undertaking, and I'd love to see it succeed. Likewise, it, it would be nice to have you know a community OS that respects its users and its privacy and their privacy and everything. But you know. I mean, it's a no-brainer in my mind, that last sentence you just said. Yeah, yeah. It's a no-brainer. Yeah. But without the backing of a big company, it's it's a very, very tall order. Yeah. Yeah. So, fingers crossed. Yeah. I'm still using it anyway, and I'll keep using it until... Until otherwise. Yeah. <laughs> 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 yeah, me too. Me too. And I love it. I love yeah. it. And uh, I I like everything it stands for. And the guys are amazing. And um, uh, it's so much good stuff to say about Ubuntu Touch. And um, it's not without its little quirks. I'd be lying to you if you, you know, if you were listening to this and going, okay, I'm just going to jump on Ubuntu Touch. You, you got to kind of work at it a bit. But um I don't know. I, I, it's the warm, fuzzy feeling thing, I guess. I, I just knowing that I've got a device that's not, um, I don't know, hankered by some big corporation. It's funny there that you said um, they said, "Oh, it's a pity there isn't a big company behind it." And, and you know, often in this show, I feel like that's some of the things we're trying to get away from. But, um, but um, yeah, it, it does feel like it needs it because of the size of the undertaking is massive um it's finding the right balance i think because with community projects you know you have the whole bus factor you know and they can come and go and if it's something that you rely on you really want it to to hang around, sure, and you want it to be maintained when, especially when you can't do it yourself because it's it's a big project, mm-hmm. you know. So you need a company behind it, um, or or else you need a very 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 dedicated community of which they you know? are and I pretty much, you know. Oh, absolutely. But I was just going to say I don't think they're appreciated enough. No, they're not. Yeah, they're not. Uh, I listen to their Q and A regularly, and um, but but even when I look on their Telegram channel, it's I'm 
the guys are quite patient with people that come on and say, um, you know, I've got the, I've got this device or I've got that device. Does Ubuntu Touch support it? And quite often it's no, because it's a handful of phones that you can put Ubuntu Touch on. And um, mm. and they're quite patient with the people that come on, considering very similar questions get asked over and over. And I'm probably one of those people that are asking those similar questions. But as a newbie coming in, it's... Uh, it's a tricky one to get your head around a little bit, I think. I don't know if that's fair, I'm saying that or not, but I had to learn a lot about Ubuntu Touch. I had to kind of let it grow on me a little bit. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Actually, just about that, how do you find um, your Telegram usage? Because I've actually been um, leaving groups in Telegram because one thing I find with uh teleports is if you have a lot of unread messages it tends to crash it now it has gotten an awful lot better um in the last while but having said that like i could go into telegram and there could be like 10 million messages in the ubuntu podcast channel that i haven't read just as an example because that would be a kind of a high volume channel so i've been leaving any high volume channels and everything has gotten a lot more more stable. You do look a lot happier. (laughs) (laughs) But that's the thing, like, I was only thinking about it this morning, you know, I mean, it's the whole fear of missing out thing, but you're not getting an awful lot out of it. It's, it, and it is a huge time sink, just scrolling through all these messages all the time. Sure. So I'm kind of glad to be moving away from it a bit. Ever since the Binary Times um, chat channel has moved over to Matrix now, I find I'm spending less and less time on um, on Telegram. I'm still checking it mm. for those people that I do have on Telegram, or if they send me a message, I look at it. And I don't have a huge amount of groups on Telegram. The and and I do also realize I haven't been spending a lot of time on the uh, on the Matrix channel. I I I can't explain why um, stuff comes and goes with me, and um, uh, it, which is fair enough. It, yeah, it's uh, yeah. I I I don't know why, um, but. Uh, it is quite nice being over on Matrix. I would like to get the the encrypted chat thing uh, working on the fluffy chat Gosh, app. Don't talk about encrypted chat. Oh yeah, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't press the button. Don't press the don't press the big red button. <laughs> but um, yeah, so so I don't know. I don't know. Uh, listen. I'm I'm like, as mentioned previously. I'm with Ubuntu Touch for the long haul. I think, and uh, my phone has been working great. It does everything I want it to do. Uh, everything I want from a phone. And and you know what? Occasionally, I might I might have I have an Android tablet upstairs, for instance, and I might use it. And I do see the slickness of Android, you know, it's slick and there's that element of, I, I, I even hate the fact that I'm saying this stuff, that everything kind of just works. Whereas with Ubuntu Touch, not everything kind of just works, you gotta mould yourself to it a bit. Um, and I, I'm often using Ubuntu Touch Think wishing everything just worked. I hate that I'm saying these sentences, um, but I, but the the pros outweigh all the other stuff. Yeah, I I don't know. Wayne, at the end of the day, like I've I've an iPhone for work, mm. 
you know, and a lot of that doesn't work. You know, things just stop working or phone calls don't go through and, you know, you're not sure if it's the phone network or if it was a recent iOS update or, you know, I'm and that's the thing. They have put updates out there that have had an effect on uh, phone calls and stuff like that. And the phone call quality is generally not great on an iPhone. Wow. I'm surprised. And this is a, yeah, this is a product you're paying an awful lot of money for. And there's thousands of people developing it. And I don't think it's all that much better than what a handful of enthusiastic community developers are, are doing with Ubuntu Touch. Fair enough. Fair enough. You know, now you you do miss out on all the apps and everything, but I'm not sure if, if apps are something you should be using on a phone anyway. Interesting. Yeah. It's, it's interesting to me when I hear people say they won't move to a phone because of a banking app. I find that uh, I, I, I still maybe a bit of a maybe I'm a Luddite, but I still don't like the idea of banking on a phone. <laughs> no, neither do I. And you have a web browser as well on your phone. You could do it through that. That's true. You know? That's true. It wasn't but that long ago that we all had to drive to the bank or get public transport to the bank to do our transactions. That wasn't that long ago. The fact that I can sit on my laptop and open up a web browser and pull up my bank's homepage and, and do that. I mean, that's plenty for me. I'm not one of... I'm not so much on the go that I can't do my banking at a particular point in time in the day when suits me rather than having to get into yeah. a vehicle and drive to the institution and do it face-to-face -face with a person. Hmm. Yeah, but I suppose banks don't want you to visit the bank anymore. Because no. it costs them money to employ people. Yeah, sure. Banks are probably a thing of the past soon anyway. <laughs> How can we leave the segment of that? <laughs> Uh, very good. I love it. Uh, um, we'll, we'll start another rambly one. <laughs> uh, let me just check how we're doing. Oh, we better kind of swing it around to maybe an under the hood. I, I, I will just briefly jump in and say I updated to Nextcloud 19 last night. I was so happy to do it. I wasn't, maybe it was the night before actually. And I did kind of get in touch with you saying maybe we should text, test the talk app before we actually do a show and stuff. And yeah, our schedules didn't match up. And here we are turning up in the morning, mm. looking at each other and still talking anyway. So that all worked beautifully, thankfully, or there mightn't have been a show today. But it's amazing. Yeah. I mean, that's off as well to, to Nextcloud. They're doing fantastic work. Yeah. And you know what? Like, I mean, it's very simple little things. I'm only talking about the, the talk app here, but some of the highlights of Nextcloud 19 and Nextcloud 19 isn't new by any means. It's only came to me um, a few days ago because I only used the web updater to update my Nextcloud. So it's already two iterations into Nextcloud. So it's Nextcloud 19.0.2 and um, which is great because although hopefully some of the early bugs get ironed out and you get an even more stable system. Um, but uh, one of the highlights is passwordless authentication <laughs> and many other security measures. I had to look at that and go, what exactly does that mean? Um, I, put, I presume they're talking about hardware keys and the like. Um, talk 9, which is what we are on, which I'm delighted to be on um, for some reason, just because it's one number higher than 8. But it also comes with built... No, 
it's it's an awful lot. There's huge, massive improvements mm. in the the talk application. Yeah, and it's nice that we can even be on grid view. You know. Yeah, I finally, yeah. guys, if you do, if you are listening to the show, check. I, I know, maybe, I know, maybe, maybe some of you don't go to the website that often, but I do go to the website. I get an equal share of the picture this time, so that's really exciting for me. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and that's only because I press the print screen button. That's 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 the only. Uh, for so I've been doing that since episode one. It's been one of my duties. Um, <laughs> self-inflicted. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Talk9 comes with built-in office document editing courtesy of Collabora, Collabora, a grid view. Uh, oh yeah, I spoke about grid view and more. So that'd be really interesting to try. Now, I don't have Collabora installed on my Nextcloud and stuff, but a Talk app with document editing, I mean, you're getting more into this um, home office, uh, working from home, you know, making it... Making it, uh, I suppose, more in keeping with what's expected from working from home these days. So fair play to them for that. It's proper gl- group where all they need now is an email client insurance. Oh, don't even mention it. I think uh, Joss, <laughs> I think it's a pain point for Joss, uh, who is one of the key developers in... Um, because you can get your email de- delivered to Nextcloud. You just don't have a an email uh, server uh, at the back end of it. Right, okay. <laughs> I'd say Joss is cringing. I know he probably doesn't listen to this, but uh, you're, you're you're killing him. You're killing him. Um, we'll have to we'll have to ping him and tell him listen to this episode. You'll love oh, it. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I I have a horrible feeling he's heard it before. But um, and look, the last line is and much improved performance deck integration in calendar. I need to think about what that means. Guest account groups and et cetera, et cetera. Check out the Nextcloud the next 19 update and the release notes. Uh, that is, uh, gives uh, a rundown of what is uh, available in this update. And like I say, we're, we're on the talk app and it is working away very nicely. I actually think your voice even sounds a bit better. The the quality of the voice, whatever they've done in the, the back end. Okay, excellent. Even better, yeah. Hmm. I do understand that I've mentioned this maybe three or four times that they are, are like we haven't had loads of people on the talk app, but I'd love to test that, that they do uh, bandwidth shrinking um, uh, on demand <laughs> as uh, more and more people join, apparently. I think even if you're running it on your own server, it's kind of, is it up to 10 anyway, depending on your bandwidth, but apparently it does some bandwidth squashing as needed, which is fantastic. Yeah, I'd be interested in trying. Remember, there we did a, a test where we had about six, yes, six connections on the go. Mm-hmm. We should try that again. Sure. Yeah. Okay. And see if it uh, doesn't fall over. Yeah. Um, we should probably, we should definitely come around to under the hood now because I think we're uh, we're 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 milking it at this stage. Yeah, sure. We wouldn't be the binary times if we didn't. Ah, that's it. You get what you pay for. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what have you got for us under the hood wise Mark you'll never guess a humble bundle ah okay so have you seen the advanced computer security and privacy by Morgan and Claypool bundle I may have cast my eye over it it looks very interesting mm-hmm. When I saw it, I was like, oh, yeah, I better get that one. And they said, hang on, what about the other 10 million books I haven't read yet? So then I said, okay, what I'll do is I'll, I'll look into it a bit more and see if the, the books are any good. And um, 
I think they are. So I haven't actually gotten it yet. But, um, you know, again, you're getting a whole ton of books for, you know, less than 13 euros. Mm -hmm. And you're helping support charity. And the the charity this time is the Book Industry Charitable Foundation. So, Great. Yeah. Another 16 days left in that. Probably less by the time you hear that hear this episode but you know should be enough check it out. should be enough time still to uh, jump on it mm. okay well I have uh, another tip from D actually um, actually he you know he gave me loads of tips in in, in a short uh, in short in quick succession and I just paste them out over the last couple of weeks but um, it, 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 it's a nice one, actually, and it's one I forget about sometimes because my muscle memory um, just uh, creates the directories manually and then maybe moves uh, moves files, etc. But uh, make dir minus p with the minus p flag will make any missing directories in the file path. So if you have a, a documents directory and you want to put uh, three directories down, we'll say off documents, you could say uh, mkdir uh, space uh, minus p space uh, tilde forward slash documents forward slash mark forward slash um, electronics forward slash projects. And that will make all the missing directories for you when you've got the, the minus P flag. So any directory that's not there will be created for you. Yeah, like the the command line is just so powerful, isn't it's it? It's really powerful, really powerful. And all these flags and all these little tweaks and stuff. Um, I don't know how people remember them all, but uh, I suppose it's a f uh, familiarity and repetition. Hmm. Yes, exactly. Um, there's, he also gave us a link uh, to a GitHub page called Awesome Self-Hosted with loads of self-hosted solutions. Uh, let me just bring oh, yeah, that up yeah. and have a look at that. Now, just to give you a quick rundown of the sort of thing that you can expect there. So it's a list of self-hosting is the practice of locally hosting and managing applications instead of renting from uh, software as a service provider. So they give a whole list of software. I mean, I could even, I won't start calling them all out, but there's a huge alphabetically ordered list of self-hosting solutions. Uh, well worth having a look at all the way from IoT, learning and courses, knowledge management tools, ebooks and integrated library systems, document management, DNS, automation, blogging platforms, etc, etc, etc. These are all self-hosted self-hosted solutions to um, to some of the app some of the software you might be paying for currently if you want to try and self-host. And one under the hood that I am going to throw in there and it is ACPI minus I to test the health of your laptop battery. Um, quite amusingly, oh, when, that's a good one. Yeah, quite amusingly, Mark. When you did the last show notes, I left that one in the actual, <laughs> in the actual notes that I left with you, and you put it in the show notes for the last episode, and I was saving it for this one, so I quickly took it out Oops. of the show notes, <laughs> and I talked about it in this one instead. But um, 
that's the tight knit operation we run here but uh, it was kind of my fault really but um, ACPI minus I uh, to test the health of your laptop battery proper QA <laughs> quite a useful one I've used it a few times recently just for a laptop that I um, got well, that I was looking at for a friend, actually, and didn't know how the laptop battery was like, and it was an easy way to get some stats on it. Excellent. Yeah, I must check that out. So, Iris, saying at the show, or do you have uh, any other business you want to throw in there before we uh, jump on the Irish thing? No, no, I think that's that's about it, really. Um, even though I would, I would like to just say again, if anyone can uh, email me... Uh, a proper fine command. I would appreciate it. Um, oh, and talking about email, thank you to everyone for for emailing us because you know we've had a, a few, and it's it's good to to chat with people. Uh, except, um, what's her name? That Lara one. I wish she'd leave us alone oh, yeah. with her search engines. Yeah, that is. Uh, <laughs> we might have to start pushing that into the spam box. Yeah. Because actually, I I did look up that search engine mm. that she keeps asking us to talk about. Yeah, and uh, it looks like a bit of crapware, basically. So I think it is spam. Yeah, yeah, fair enough, fair enough. Mm. Oh, yeah. Thanks so much for the emails, guys, and keep do keep writing in because um it uh, helps us in ways you probably don't imagine. Um, uh, it kind of keeps the spark alive, a li- alight, alight, uh, a little bit. Absolutely. So I have an Irish saying, Mark, many years ago, I was in, uh, I I don't like revealing too much about myself, um, but uh, many years ago, I was in a play, um, actually in the thing. And um, one of the sayings that I had to say was uh, that has stuck with me over the years. I don't know how kind of actor type people do it and stuff, kind of learning lines and repeating lines. And yeah, actually, that's a whole other conversation. But um, the one of the lines I had was is um, it's really coming down out there. And it was just pouring rain outside. It was a part in the show, etc. So um, I said I would translate that one into Irish. And I, I hope it means the same thing as I think it means. And it is the wrong day to be saying it because it's a really sunny day here. But sure, <laughs> what can you do? I couldn't plan the weather for the show, and you know. Um, but it is Toshig Chaktanush in our era, and that translates as it's really coming down. Well, it has been. I mean, there's been some awful weather for this time of year. You exactly. Know? Exactly. Well, on that note. That's all from me, Wayne here uh, from a sunny Bristol. Uh, thanks again to everyone in the chat. Thanks to those of you who support us. We are forever grateful. And um, please do keep writing in as we keep saying. And uh, we will chat to you all next fortnight. Indeed. See you all, folks. to a member of the Other Side Podcast Network. Find more about our shows on otherside.network.